Hi, Sheila Kester here from High Income Copywriting Advice. You know, there's so much you can do with the secrets you're about to learn. There are so many unexpected ways to use your copywriting skills to make money, acquire some luxuries, and generally make your life more satisfying, even if you decide to retire from copywriting someday. The point is, being able to sell with words will bring you much more than money. It will bring you a lifetime of interesting work, enjoyable experiences, and unlimited challenges. You'll be better able to solve your problems because you'll be a shrewder, wiser, and, and more resourceful. And we can learn from some of the copywriting masters who came before us. And um, there is one that is pretty well known that came before us. And his name is David Ogilvy. David Ogilvy wasn't born with a silver quill in his hand. He grew up in Lewis Carroll's house in Guildford, England, the child of a bigoted agnostic father and a beautiful and eccentric Irish woman. At the age of nine in 1919, the same year my father was born, he was sent to private boarding school where he was known to be smart but argumentative. In 1931, he was expelled from Oxford. From there, he traveled the world, taking odd jobs and playing the bon vivant, while his boyhood friends were becoming successful young doctors and lawyers and politicians. He went his own way, and he established his own path in life. And he had a completely different route and different ideas, besides being a professional. 17 years after his ignominious departure from Oxford, he started a small advertising business on Madison Avenue in New York City. His natural talent for argument, combined with the determination his colleagues envied, brought him early success. He started with smaller clients who spread the word and soon middle-sized and even national accounts were becoming beckoning for his copywriting services. By the time his advertising business was full grown, he liked, as he liked to say, its clients' revenue succeeded the revenue of Her Majesty's government in England, I guess. A copywriting legend. By almost any standard, David Ogilvy must be considered one of the all-time great copywriting masters. Not only did he create one of the largest and most successful advertising agencies in history, which stimulated billions of dollars in sales, he also made himself a handsome fortune doing so. <laughs> David Ogilvy spent the last few years of his life living in a beautiful chateau in France, not far from the chateau where Bill Bonner now spends a great deal of his time. Ogilvy's credentials include breakthrough advertisements for American Express, the American Cancer Society, AT&T, Arrow Shirts, Bell Telephone, the Book of the Month Club, Brister Miles Company, Bromo Seltzer, Cadillac, Campbell Soup, Ford Motor Company, Greyhound, Bus. Guinness Stout, Hallmark Cards, Hathaway Shirts, International Paper, and Ivory Soul. Like Claude Hopkins, David Ogilvy developed and promoted many of the most useful concepts advertisers use today. One of the most fundamental and important was this, advertising should work. Sell the product. If that sounds absurd, it shouldn't. Even today, most agencies on Madison Avenue don't care <clears throat> whether the ads they write and charge their clients for actually sell. The advertising geniuses we read about in novels and view on television are visionaries who conjure up works of art. 
They receive awards and the praise of their colleagues. They are talked about at cocktail parties. They hobnob with professional athletes and movie directors. All that glitters is not gold. And in the world of advertising, that's an understatement. Ogilvy and Claude Hopkins were pioneers in understanding and promoting the idea that great advertising had one primary purpose, to sell the product. Early in his career, Ogilvy observed that far too often, the copywriters he knew talked incessantly about creativity and seldom about whether their ads actually worked. In Conventions of an Advertising Man, Ogilvy writes that although he wrote his share of creative ads, he never strove to write creatively. creatively. Instead, he focused his talents on presenting the product in a way that made it attractive, not, not, ir no, not irresistible. His sole concern, making sure the client made more money from this, is ad than he spent to produce it. His advice was to write for the customer, not your client. That's a radical idea for some. There are actually three schools of thought when it comes to defining good advertising. The cynics claim it's merely and only whatever the client likes and is willing to pay for. These hardened souls argue that the smart copywriter writes solely to please his client. If his client wins, wants the headline to consist of four words, each beginning with X, so be it. If the client wants the ad to talk about him, that's okay too. The well-known advertising man, Raymond, Raymond Rubicon, founder of world-famous world famous ad agency, Young and Rubicon, best expresses the second view. Rubicon is reported to have said that good advertising is that which makes a dual impression. The public buys it and the industry is impressed by it. The public and the advertising world, Rubicon said, remember great advertising for being a for a long time as an admirable piece. Ogilvy said, good advertising is that which sells the product without drawing attention to itself. Instead of saying, what a clever advertisement, Ogilvy admonishes the prospect should say, I never knew that before. I must try this product. Ogilvy has said that it is the duty of the copywriter to conceal his artifice. When Ashini spoke, his countryman said, how well he speaks. But when Demosthenes spoke, they said, let us march against Philip. Ogilvy was for Demosthenes. During his reign as head of Ogilvy Advertising, he forbade the word creativity. He urged his magazine and television writers to study and emulate the works of direct response copywriters like John Capels, Book of the Month founder Harry Schurman, and Vic Schwab, Arthur of the Classic, How to Write a Good Advertisement a short course in, course in copywriting. According to David Ogilvy, good advertising is that which sells the product without drawing attention to itself. How does your product benefit your readers? The copywriter's primary task, he said, was to understand how his product benefited the prospect audience, list those benefits, and then decide which of them to stress. Ogilvy realized that the best ads were those that featured one benefit prominently and subordinated the rest so there could be little or no room for doubt in the prospect's mind. By identifying benefits and stressing the strongest, the copywriter could evoke the greatest possible response, and evoking response was his primary duty. 
Benefits are usually expressed directly or indirectly as promises. How to make $800 a day selling lemonade presents a benefit making $800 a day, but is especially effective because there is the implied promise in the how-to that if the prospect reads this ad, he, he will know how to make $800 a day, a day selling lemonade. Promises, promises. 250 years ago, SAS poet and author Dr. Samuel Johnson said, promise, large promise, is the soul of an advertisement, and Ogilvy agreed. If you get the promise right by identifying and stressing the strongest benefit, the product will practically sell itself. It won't much matter whether you express yourself in perfect English so long as the ideas are clear and easy to understand. Figuring out what promise sells best is not a creative effort. According to Okapi, it isn't the copywriter's job to guess what headline to write, but to write one based on some kind of empirical evidence. Okapi advised his writers to go to libraries and out on the street to research the buying habits of their intended audiences. Study trade journals, he advised them, and read all the data you can that pertains to the ultimate buying decision. Understand demographics, psychology, and economic trends, but most of all, research the actual results of advertising campaigns similar to those you are engaged in. Direct marketing is all about measuring responses, gauging one promise against another, one headline, one benefit, one price. Make your decisions scientifically, he exhorted. Advertising as a science. Algothi believed in the scientific approach to advertising because he recognized that it was only through the process of systematically testing and measuring responses that one could ever arrive at a reliable understanding of how and why consumers respond. Since he firmly believed that the copywriter's most important job was to sell the product, and not make himself look clever, it was only natural that he would come to embrace and defend direct response copywriting as the highest and best form of copywriting. This, that is one of the reasons we direct response copywriters like David Ogilvy. He rose to the top of the advertising business. He won awards. He was widely acclaimed. He had all the fame and fortune any writer could hope to achieve. And yet he never forgot his roots or abandoned the practical sense that gave him his great achievements. David Ogilvy was the quintessential direct response copywriter. Take a hint from David Ogilvy. The next time you feel that ir irresistible, writerly urge to embellish your copy, to elevate your language, to write in such a way that your prospect's attention will be drawn to you and not the product, well, restrain yourself. There is a reason direct response copywriters make more money than any other kind of writer. And that reason was recognized by Dega Ogilvy a long time ago. Eat it and prosper. And David Ogilvy said, the advertisers who believe in the selling power of jingles have never had to sell anything. And um, he, he believed, David Ogilvy believed in scientific advertising. He put the benefits of the product. He did his, he emphasized researching. He's, he's, his main advice was to write for the, the, the reader and not the client. So you're going to write, research the reader, what the reader wants, and then you're going to try to put in benefits that would 
sell that product to, or service to the reader. And so he was really kind of like the father of direct response advertising. And that's, that's really his secret. That's how he became to be a copywriting legend. From being a Oxford dropout to learning, earning a lot of money as a, at his own, owning his own advertising. So there's some things that we can learn as copywriters from that, from Diego Ogilvy. And um, he's well known. And um, so if I've been studying Diego Ogilvy's work and as well as other copywriting um, masters and copywriting principles and that. And um, since I'm familiar with that, I can probably help you with any copywriting that you need. You can contact me at kesterkeywords at gmail.com. My name is Sheila Kester, and you can contact me at K-O-E-S-T-R-K-E-Y-W-O-R-D-S at gmail.com. And um, I hope you enjoyed listening about David Ogilvy, and I hope you will take some of these principles that he's taught us to heart and use them in your own copywriting, um, whatever you decide to write. And if you're having trouble doing that, you can always contact me, Sheila Kester, for help. Well, I hope that th these were some useful copywriting tips for you. Just David Ogilvy was clearly a, a, he believed in selling a product and he wasn't in it for being creative or fancy or anything else. He wanted to make money and he made money by what I had said was selling the product and doing his research and living in scientific advertising and writing for the customer, not your client. You're going to try to not please your client, but to write for the customer because the customer has the buying power. They buy the product or service that you're trying to sell. Well, that's all for now. I hope you have a great week and thank you so much for listening. Bye.